Have Yahweh, thank you again for an opportunity to be your vessel, your conduit, to share your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom with any that have an ear to let them hear the words, but listen to what is spoken. Listen to the message. Go to your word and seek your face, seeking the truth that you will reveal, Father. Seek and they shall find you. Seek, you'll see him. Seek, you will gain. Knock, the door will be answered. The scriptures tell us that we have not because we ask not. We make assumptions about God and the white noise interference that comes from the enemy convinces us to go a different direction. Focus on the Lord. Focus on Him. So brothers and sisters in class last night, pretty powerful, and I, I love, I've shared this with you time and time again, I love confirming spirit. And confirming spirit is really, that's really awesome when it happens, and and I can't help, and, and I know people look at me, but that's okay, because I'll just tell them I'm a very strange old guy. I can get away with it. And I am. I'm one of God's peculiars, and that's all right with me. But in a number of different things that were said, and then the confirming spirit this morning, sharing in my study and reading, is uh, things that we spoke to last night in class. And here in God's watch, he's sharing with me confirming spirit. Particular scriptures or the prophet that was spoken to last night and the words of one of my fellow students and prophetic word is spoken over her and was confirmed four times by different people. And speaking of joy, speaking of joy, and also speaking of how relevant it is that we see ourselves. How does God see us? Well, let's start in John 3.16 for one, which is a very good place for that because God, God had already, he had seen how malicious and mean and nasty and vile his creation was to one another. And still, before, before the rains came down and the floods came up, he still, for 120 years, specifically preaching repentance to the people that could be reached out and heard, and they were, they did not do so. They instead chose to belittle, degrade, and make fun of 
his prophet and his worker. So for 120 years, Noah built the ark. It took him that long to finish. It was a big, big boat. Big boat. And he and his sons were working on this, but every day they didn't just finish and go home. At the end of the day that he was working on the ark, he preached. And I would say possibly during lunch break or time break, whatever, and he was up on the scaffolding. Rather than climbing all the way down, he maybe spoke from there, which would be a really great vantage. His voice would carry People could see, but they didn't receive. They instead belittled, degraded, and attempted to humiliate Noah for his faith and belief in God. Well, as you see, if you've read the Bible or had heard the story, it's about the flood. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And the entire earth was consumed by floodwaters. But Noah and his family were protected because God put his seal on the ark. Now, when the rains came down and the floods came up, oh, then they were all eager and ready to repent. Oh, save us, we pray. Save us, we pray. Uh, Hosanna, Hosanna which is what that means. It's a three-part Hebrew. Save us, we pray. But they did not receive it. It was too late. They'd been given 120 years of opportunity. And they chose to wait till the very last moment, the very last second, when God said, okay, it's time to go and place a seal on that ramp. And what is the import of that? Why am I sharing that with you particularly now and instead of waiting on that? Well, I think it's very important because, brothers and sisters, we don't want to wait until the last possible moment. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, we find that Jesus speaks to this, and he tells us, Then it will be as it was in the days of Noah, before the return of son of the before the return of the son of man. So shall those days be. It's going to be a hard time, and people will choose to do what they did then. And brothers and sisters, all you have to do is look around. Look around, and what do they do? They make fun of those that have faith and those that believe. And then they want to vaunt those that don't. I, I'm seeing this, uh, it's an advertisement and it's just foolish because Lucifer is promoting this. And I think I shared with you that I went in and did some research and found out what this name is um, all about. It's um, an archaic German word translation and it's an obsolete germanic and the translation of the word means lucifer it is lucifer 
Well, they're promoting certain things and then they talk about an individual that they're promoting and they have her all dolled up with the big uh, glasses and all this stuff and just this stern look and walking out onto this place, this arena and declaring this person to be a legacy. Well, the only legacy there is of shame, shame and degradation and derisiveness. And it's not a legacy that quite honestly, I would be proud of, but that's okay because that's the kind of stuff that Satan drives. He drives and thrives on that. Derisiveness and separation. So they're promoting this person to be this great, 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 great individual and using the image to promote their company and their products. So it just stands to reason. This representation of the devil and his lies and his torment is getting the people to believe that this person is a great person. And remember what Isaiah is talking about? When they will call evil good, good evil, sweet, bitter, bittersweet, a prophet took the word of God. And remember, I've shared with this with you before too, that the Greek have two words, two words, that apply to the word of God and depending on how it's used. Now, the word logos, logos, L-O-G-O-S, it can mean a library or a collection and it's also used to mean armory or collection, a collection place. And Rema is a specific word of God that Rema can be a prophetic word and he gives it to a person for a specific reason and they share that specific word for that specific purpose. It's also, I shared with you that when Christ was in the wilderness and Satan thought that he was going to handle it because the authority of Jesus and he was the big guy, the big cheese in charge of all the demons and he was going to go handle business because the authority that Jesus had was too much and he didn't want to trust that to his demons. He didn't think that they could handle the job and the reality of it is neither could he and neither can he. So when he tried to wage a nominal, at best, fight against Christ our Lord, even after 40 days of fasting and Christ in a weakened state, because remember, he's walking in this plane of existence as a man, tempted as a man, walked as a man, got tired as a man, got hungry as a man, and he had fasted for 40 days already. And so Satan thought that he was going to have an advantage, except that when he tried to draw from Logos, 
and draw rima, he didn't know how to use it because he was not the anointed son of God. And Christ three times parried and after the third time, Satan said, I'm out of here. It's time for me to go away. Yes, indeed. Jesus wasn't finished with the enemy yet because when Jesus was crucified, where did he go? Jesus went into Satan's kingdom and he wrested the keys of death, that prison that Satan had charged. He didn't ask for them. He reached out and he took the keys. The word rested, W-R-E-S-T-E-D. He reached his hand out and he just took them. Maybe gave a little twist and Satan was going to try to hold on, but he couldn't because the authority of Christ was way too powerful. And he had to let go. Brothers and sisters, the word Christ is power. There's power in his name. But we have to remember too, and we cannot forget that as John shared with us, I'm going to go over here and remind you. I don't mind doing that. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I'll give you the shortened version today. And that's who Jesus was then, who Jesus is now, and who Jesus will be. And you have to remember this too, and don't ever forget this because this is very pertinent information and I wouldn't share it with you if it wasn't important. Neither would the Holy Spirit allow it if it wasn't pertinent and it wasn't truth. Satan and the demons, they know scripture. This is factual. Why is that? Well, that's because they used to live in heaven before they got kicked out. They were around with the angels. They were around with Christ the Lord. They were around God the Father and the Spirit of Truth. They know it. But they chose that they were going to attempt a heavenly coup. Well, that didn't go well. Because remember what Jesus tells us in Luke. I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. So back when Satan and his angelic uprisers attempted and they were kicked out of heaven and they fell as lightning crashing into this plane of existence. Lucifer becoming Satan the prince of darkness, fear, liar, accuser. And remember in the Old Testament of the Bible that all the way through the Bible up until Chronicles, Chronicles, First Chronicles is the first time that we see the name Satan. 
Before that, he is called the accuser, and that's what he does. That's all he does. Points his finger, accuse, belittle, berate, degrade, anything he can. And what he delights in most is getting us to believe that. So we see, always see ourselves as less than how God sees us. That is his delight. That's what he does. And I see and have witnessed the consequences of that. And I have even found that in me, and I rebuke that because it's not true. It's untruth. How does God see us? God understands us. God sees our heart. And if we have accepted that Christ is our Lord and Savior, that he came to this plane of existence and died for us, we want to have faith in God and follow the Holy Spirit, God sees us as being clothed in his righteousness. He sees us in that flowing, bright, white, clean raiment that is his, that he gave each and every one of us. Embroidered with the golden threads of his love. Oh my goodness gracious, I just had a flash picture of that. Oh my goodness gracious. No wonder true believers are bright. Everything about what God gives to us is, is not only on that inside, and we should be reflecting that out. Like I shared with you the, the lighthouse in um, Philadelphia, and I'm not talking about the city here in this country. I'm talking about Philadelphia was a, uh, a city. And there was a great port near there. And if I recall correctly, it was one of the seven wonders of the world that this um, at time gone by, that this lighthouse, it was, there, it was so huge and so tall. I am thinking that it probably took a couple days anyway for somebody to, to walk the stairs to get to the top. And why am I sharing that? Well, I'm sharing that because this tall lighthouse emitted a light that could see, be seen in the dark waters out in the ocean that sailors miles out in the darkness and understand that in those days there were no electric lights. There was no such thing as halogen or... Uh, What's the other really nice light they have? The, oh, the LED lamps and, and all of that. They didn't have any of those going. Everything was by candle power or oil lamps. And this lighthouse was a big, giant candle. And the reflective surface that was behind the, the flame, and they would come up and they would fill the, they would fill the container that, held the oil so that this thing didn't go out. It was always lit and the caretaker had to take care of that and make sure that that oil was always filled. But that reflected light, the reflected light was seen into the darkness for miles. Miles. And the sailors knew that they had a safe haven.
They had a haven of rest. This that I offer, and hence the title of God's podcast, is a haven of truth. I used to have my name on here, and I shared with you, this This is not mine. God gave me this and afforded me the opportunity to be about this thing, be about his business and doing what he called me to do. One of many things he called me to do. And if from his prophetic word and Bible study a couple weeks ago, I'm not quite certain specifically, but that's okay because it doesn't matter because my sovereign Lord God Almighty, I just pray in some of my other study material that I have the strength and that the Holy Spirit is with me so that I can be bold, upright, and courageous and continue sharing his truth because as I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, there are places in this world where people that do this sort of thing are alienated, ostracized, and even put to death for their faith. In this country, as I was sharing with you, that that company representative of not a good person and they want this other person who is, they call a legacy, but this person did nothing but degrade, belittle, and was quite antisocial with these young ladies that were part of a team. And because of their faith, and they refused to acquiesce, and that, that means to give in, by the way, they refused to do so. They were basically booted and given the direction to the exit door. And this person who is thinking themselves to be far more of an authority than what they were in reality, well, that person sort of fell down and is not really anywhere in that arena any longer. Just, it's, they're used as a, and they, they're not even a spokesperson, they just use the image and then declare this person to be a legacy. Well, here's the thing about that. A legacy could be something not good and it could be something good. So my point of view and what I witness and what I know about and what I have knowledge of is that this person is not a good is not living a good legacy and they're trying to make something that was wicked into something that's good. Just like the prophet in the word of God tells us that they will try to make evil good and good is evil. And that's what they tried to do with the word of God and the faith that the individuals had. Well, now, as they say, it came back and bit them because in doing that, this so-called legacy is not where they wanted to be. They wanted to be something important, something way up there, and not. And this league that they were playing in and that they were members of, they didn't want that person around either. They had too much of a negative stigma. 
kind of like pit bulls. They have that negative stigma that people do without any real knowledge. They just make stuff up that sounds good. Except the only problem is that this person really did this and it was witnessed by many, many people. And also on several occasions in very poor judgment, they made a public display of that negativity. Well, that backfired as it will often. God does take care of his own. And here's how God sees us. Despite what everyone else will say or what they try to get you to believe, the devil will try to get you to believe other things. But what God tells us to do, and, and I like the way he, uh, I like the way the wording is in this material. Bask in the luxury of being fully understood and unconditionally loved. That is powerful and important because the reality is that God is the only one that can read us and know us completely and fully. No one else, no one else can. And they use that phrasing in movies fairly often. Wow, you really know me. You're the only one that knows me and understands me. No, that's not true. Because in this plane of existence, that's not readily shared between those of us that walk here. Why? Because we refuse to have unconditional love. The love that we give to others is dependent on how they're treating us and how they love us. The thing of, this is why it's so important. The love of God is unconditional. God does not put conditions on his love for us. Well, you know, I'm only gonna love you so much because, you know, you have a tendency to do this or be this or do that. God doesn't do that. And how do I know? Because the word of God tells me so. Wow, that just reminds me of the song when I was a youngster. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. The infallible truths that come from the word of God. And remember John three sixteen. For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. Goodness gracious. The word that was with God from the beginning was in God, with God, and everything was made with him present and there. Let us make man in our image, in our image. And he wasn't talking about all the angels, although I'm fairly certain that they were included in that thought, but he was talking to Christ our Lord, anointed of God, who was privy to Rema, specific word of God. And that word that was with God was manifest to flesh and was placed in this plane of existence so that we could be that thing that God saw us to be. 
and we could be part of that unconditional love, that we could be and have the opportunity to be heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus, the only begotten Son of God in the kingdom of heaven. That's how God sees us and how we see ourselves is oftentimes far less than that. And Satan loves to belittle, degrade, and he loves to get us into self-degradation. He loves us to get there. And when we do that, oh, he is just so delighted. He's so happy. I see Satan doing a little jig with some of his demons. And he does that. He takes delight in getting us to question ourselves. And then we question the Holy Spirit. Then we put ourselves down. And God couldn't possibly want me to do that. I couldn't possibly do that because I did this yesterday. I did this that last week. I did this and I did this and I did this. Well, guess what? You're buying into the accusations that are made by fear, false evidence appearing real. Of course God wants you to talk to him. Of course God wants you to pray and speak with him. Of course God will forgive you. All you have to do is say, Father, I'm sorry. I really messed up. But here's the thing. The enemy wants you to fall down and stay down. God reaches out with his hand and picks you up and dusts you off and puts your face in his hands and he looks you straight in the eye and he says, of course I love you. Of course I forgive you. And then he pulls you in and he gives you one of those great big God bear hugs. Whew. And it's, I'm so glad that he doesn't squeeze any harder because you would just, you'd pop like a little piece of chalk. Poof, and then you're powered. Because God loves us so much that he, and sometimes as I sit right here, and as he's doing right now, I mean, he can just, he just will reach out with his hand or what he often will do is hug me. And then I just start to leak because the overwhelming feeling of love that involves, and I just wish that I, no, let me rephrase that. I just pray that I develop that sensation of love so that others can see it and feel it and know it to be true. I've shared with you the old song and, and, and it's very true. And this is, Jesus teaches this and taught it to the disciples when he was walking with them. That we need to exercise our love. We need to take it out for a walk every now and then. And we go out there and when we walk around people and we walk around the town and we're walking out and about and any of our neighbors, and remember, here's the important thing about that love deal. Our neighbors aren't the ones who live next door. Like right now, I'm, I'm in my house, and I'm back here with my, with my service dogs, and they're both, they're both sacked out. And I'm in God's time, sharing time with God, being in the Word and doing this thing that I'm called to do. And I have a neighbor that lives on one side and neighbor that lives on the other side. And then this area that I'm in, I have neighbors that are across the street. 
But what the Bible is talking about, more than any of those, are the neighbors that we encounter when we're out and walking our love. We're out exercising that love. The neighbor, our neighbors that the Bible talks about are any of those that we come in contact with that we might brush elbows with, that we might touch as we walk in through a crowd or walking through the city. Anyone that we come in close contact with, that's our neighbor. And we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. How many of us can really do that? And as that song, when I was a younger man, boy, actually, when I first heard it, and this was uh, this was one of the things I put on my list for things that we should we're thankful for. We have a, an exercise in class going, and I'm thankful for my brother more than more than uh, I, I had a number. <laughs> The, we, we had a small army that was in our house. My mother was taking care of seven bodies. Dad was working. But my third eldest was a uh, became a pastor. He was a counselor, uh, became a pastor, uh, became a missionary and, and went about. But um, I'm thankful for him because he encouraged me to be in the word of God and his Bible study was where I first got the essay that was written. I, I, I wish I had that. I, I'm not sure if I do. <sighs> Saddens me, actually. But it was an essay that a physician wrote and shared with him, and he shared it with us on the crucifixion of Christ Jesus. He was a physician, and in his study and, and the revelation that he gave, it was powerful <coughs> because, pardon me, because um, they did a number on Christ. But I'm thankful for him. I'm also thankful for my brother who is closest to me in age because of his vile temper and his anger and the things that we went through because the exercise of forgiveness that I have to give to him and prayer for him, because I don't know where he is in this world. God knows where he is. I don't know if he is alive or if he is dead. I don't know that. For whatever purpose that God has chosen, that has not been revealed to me, and that's okay. It is okay. I pray for him. Pray for his strength and that somebody, he, he comes to somebody that can, can help him with God. Because I can remember when he was a younger, younger boy. He was very musically inclined and he liked to sing songs at church. And the thing that is something, a prophetic word was given to my mother that she would see all of her sons to be saved. So what I do know is that he's been baptized and he's backslidden and, and all, and I know, and I don't know where he is, what's going on with him, but I do know that 
if he's repented and gone back to where he should be, there was a big, big celebration in heaven. As it is with all those that walk away and come back. It says that the angels rejoice in that. But more importantly than any of those things, that the way God sees us is not how anyone else sees us. God sees us and we are clothed and bathed and covered in his glorious righteousness. And we are cleansed by his blood. By his stripes, we are healed. By his blood, we are cleansed. And as he reminds us that every day we need to remember, and when we take part in communion, that we are remembering that those things happened. That the sacrament of the, the bread broken is representative of his broken body, which it was, oh, terribly so. And the drinking of the wine is representative of the blood that he shed to cleanse us. And we need to do that. And he's waiting for us to get home and then he's gonna sit down at our big table and he's gonna share that with all of us again. And what we need to remember is that God sees us in that way and not how the devil gets us to see ourselves here on this plane of existence. He loves us to cover ourselves in, in self-degradation. That means we just, we can't even pick our heads up and look at anyone or do anything. And like I, I shared with you, there's sometimes when I go around church and I'm, I'm wondering, why are these individuals even here? This is God's house. And they are covered in a veil. And the scriptures tell us that we don't do that, that we're not supposed to do that. That we don't do that. We don't cover our faces and that we don't apologize for the scripture when God says something and it comes from Logos and maybe he gives Rema, don't dare apologize for that. So if you're pulling out of the word of God, the Bible collectively, and he gives you a specific scripture to share and the pertinence of that scripture, why would you, why would you be so foolish as to apologize for sharing what God just gave you to share. Okay, I've shared this with you before. I'm gonna share it with you again. That when you do that, you are expressing your shame in God's word, in the gospel of truth. So you're apologetic. You don't want somebody to know that you actually read that and that you are now inclined to get them to think you might believe it to be so. But yet, 
you want to apologize say, oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. that yeah, that's, that's probably going to offend some of you. Oh, how do you know? And even if it, they might be offended, remember what I share oft times, I share this many times. If ye seek offense, ye shall surely find offense. And if people are going to look to be offended by something, it doesn't matter how you deliver it. It doesn't matter what you deliver. They're still going to be offended by what is shared. And I found that not only speaking scripturally, but I found that where I was working is that, man, people just, it doesn't matter how kind you are to them. They're having a miserable walk of the day. Maybe they've had a miserable past couple of years, whatever. But here's the important part. We cannot judge them for that and we pray for them. Now, here's the thing. Brothers and sisters, be very cautious in this. And that you don't, you pray over them and you allow the Holy Spirit, which can see and discern way better than we can. And until the, the Spirit gives you discernment, you're not gonna be able to see. So you pray over them, but don't bless them. If they're treating, if they're acting in, uh, if they're iniquitous in the behavior. Now, what does that mean? That's a biblical word, iniquity. That means wicked, mean, nasty, and evil. You don't bless them because that is taking God's word, which is intended for good, and you are directing and requesting that God would bless them in their iniquity and, and that they're going to keep doing it. So don't offer blessing to them, but you offer prayer. I'm not telling you not to pray for them. I'm telling you don't bless them in their iniquitous behavior. We don't do that. We need to be cautious in that. And the scripture actually talks about that. I should go find the specific word to that. But I will share that. That'll come to a future thing, future point. Pray always. And I've, I've run into some folks that were really, they obviously weren't in the Bible and they weren't reading and they attempted to use the name of Christ and his blood as a curse. Well, let me share this about that. That's not gonna bode well for you. If you attempt to use God's name as a curse and you attempt to use the blood of Christ as a curse and you call that down, that's like the sons of thunder and Jesus rebuked them at the time that they did that, James and John. They wanted to call down thunder and bolts of lightning and fire from heaven to strike down a group of people, the Samaritans, because they didn't like them. They didn't know why. They just didn't like them. They were raised that way. They didn't even really know why. And then they were told that the Samaritans said all these terrible, mean, nasty things. Well, the problem is that there was no forgiveness and there was no truth. And so the perpetuation of that nasty behavior continued. And Jesus rebuked them and he pulled them down and he just put the choke chain, gave it a good tug, said, hey, 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 you are destroying what we are here to do. 
Don't do that. Don't do that. It, and you you actually want to call down fire from heaven to take out these very individuals that we are trying to teach loving kindness and reflect the unconditional love of God. But you're so upset and angry with what man and mammon has done that you want to call down fire from heaven. Well, the sovereignty of God is much more sacred than that. And yet there are individuals that will do that. I had one attempt to use the blood of Christ for that. And remember that the other way that God sees us is that we are going to be God's view, being the one that created us. And he sees the changes that we have, but he continually sees that that he has put into us. And he knows that we have a free will choice. He gave it to us. And he reminds us that in that, that he sees us changing from glory to glory. Because when we get to heaven and he calls us back, which he does and allows me to do this, that I am an heir, a joint heir with Christ Jesus, our King, Adonai. Yeshua, Adonai Yeshua, Aikutu Shantia, that he is our king. And he comes back, but God sees us as an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. When we repent and we accept that into our hearts and we live that way and we follow the Holy Spirit, that that's, that's how God sees us. But the devil wants us to see ourselves as less than you must see yourselves as more than. Remember, I shared this with you before too. We always seem to have this, yeah, but what if, and what if, and what if? Well, my God is the God of even if. And just like the spies, when they went into the land of Canaan, they were told to go in and bring back a report. And Caleb and Joshua were the only two that said, yeah, let's go. We're going to do this. God told us he's going, to, he's going to deliver this to us. Oh, but then the other 10 convinced the nation that they should not do this. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. They will surely step on us and destroy us. Well, that's important because this is exactly how we tend to see ourselves in many instances. We see ourselves as less than what God sees us. Pray for strength. Be bold. Be courageous. Stand upright. This is what we pray for. This is what I pray for you every day. And I pray that if it ever comes time that I would have the strength and the perseverance and the, and the temperance to be able to stand up bold even even if they take my old self and they beat me up, I would hope they wouldn't because that's really going to hurt as an older person. But the thing of it is that God is with me. God is with me in truth. And he's with me in his strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I love his words that he's sharing. And this is,
the thing that is important. And that when we walk, we have to remember that God doesn't ever force us into doing anything that we don't want to do. God is very polite in that. And he gave us a free will choice. But he really would like us to be like I'm doing here and sharing his word and his truth. Through the Holy Spirit and that guidance and his guidance, this is what I do. This is what I have agreed to do. This is what I have I've made a covenant with God. Which is so vitally important. Is to be in his word, to share his word, to give the opportunity for any that would have an ear to hear and listen to what is being said and repent and know the joy of the Lord to be their strength. And when we back out more and more from having to have control and we open our hands and release so much more to God to do, we have to, we have to practice to do that. It takes practice because we have been so used to seeing ourselves as being in charge of everything. And we're really not. Oh no, we're really not. And that when we walk together in the spirit, God calls it a collaboration. That's a pretty important word, collaboration. That we're actually taking part in and are part of what he's doing in our lives. So we have to continually be that way. And just remember, David writes and shares this with us, that those who look to him are radiant and our faces are never to be covered with shame. Don't ever veil the countenance that God gives us because he's in us, with us, loves us. We can't ever cover that over and be apologetic and hide our face with shame. And, that, and again, when you start apologizing for something that you've read in the word of God, that's expressing shame and unbelief. And that's truthfully what that means. See, I've been around for a while, so some of this old, some of the old ways, some of the, uh, the truths and everything has been changed now, so they don't wanna believe certain things because culturally and societal issues are that lies are better and they're easier. And when you tell the truth, you gotta, People get so offended. Well, that's just because your lies are easier to contort and people like that. And it's sad, really. It's sad that they prefer to lies over truth. But remember, too, that Jesus came here not having sinned. He accepted all of that on himself. And as his cousin, his earthly cousin shared with him, behold the Lamb of God. He came to die and be sacrificed for our sakes. And I like this, this scripture's interesting. I kind of 
twist it around and toss it. I was trying to take it apart, dismantle it, and have the Holy Spirit guide this. But this is in 2 Corinthians uh, 3 and 18, but, and this is um, in the New King James. I should just go and read it out of my Bible. And I think I may do that. Where are we at here? So I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to begin in uh, actually 2 Corinthians 3, 8, 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with our face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as the spirit of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, remember this. That is how God sees us. God sees us in that way. We just need to remember that we got to keep up with that. And we do that by praying, staying in prayer, seeking the Holy Spirit and a guidance. And in dismantling this and, and this um I was reminded of that reflective mirror that's in that lighthouse that can be seen for miles out into the ocean. I'm, I mean, many, 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 many miles. And then the sailors know, say, oh, wait a minute. Look, that's, look how that, that's a beam of light. That's our lighthouse. That's our haven of rest. And brothers and sisters, as a light that we emit God's love, unconditional love, we are to be that lighthouse we are to show people, others, that we are and we offer a haven of truth, which will ultimately become their haven of rest. Because when they repent and they accept Jesus Christ and they become that part of his family, when you accept Christ Jesus and you accept that God is your heavenly father and you have faith in him and you accept that the Holy Spirit will guide your steps and you become an heir and a joint heir in the kingdom of heaven along with Christ Jesus and along with me. We're gonna have a good time up there in heaven. We always refer to heaven as up there. I wonder why we do that. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in every day? Be blessed.